we should go to the Sunday tournament so you can get that that tournament stamina stamina yeah. back up. Yeah, I think that's probably good to do. I went to the the Sunday one. I don't know, like a month and a half ago or something. Whenever the last one I actually went to was. Yeah. Uh, and it was just five rounds, <laughs> and I was playing the glimpse deck, so I was shuffling all the time. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, oof, this uh, this tournament thing. I haven't done this in a while." Yeah, the glimpse deck is one you kind of want a single sleeve, just for that reason. Oh, I, that I, it's fine. <laughs> so Jay played a nominal creativity at F and M. We were trying out some different versions. He was playing through the breach on Friday, so he had Embercle. But we got to the store late, so we were sleeving his deck and stuff. Uh, in starting in round one, like me and Alan got paired up against each other, mm-hmm. so we sleeved to Jay's deck like before starting our match <laughs> together, <laughs> and then gave Jay his deck and he he went to go play, and then we finished our match in like ten minutes because <laughs> it was prowess against a storm deck. Yes, and then Jay. Flips Indomitable Creativity the slow way. Uh, uh, without like, picking up the deck. Yeah. But what's funny about that is it led to a lot of dramatic tension when he flipped into a Brazen Borrower. Because, you know, we were scrambling for sideboard cards. And it's like, oh, this is a bounce build. We'll do something. Just threw it in there. Mm-hmm. Didn't think about it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> whoops. If you're if you're expecting an Emrakul and you flip a Brazen Borrower... <laughs> That's that's less good. Well, it could block the Vault Scourge he was dying to, but, you know, only once. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to episode 207 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Hi, Chris. How's it going? You know, pretty good. It's a, a nice little Tuesday. The weather's kind of nice. <laughs> it was really hot. I went for a walk too late today and ended up just drenched in sweat, and it was pretty bad. So it's been kind of gloomy and rainy where I am today. Mm. Maybe it got there after my... pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was pretty much just like sun beaten down, humid. It was humid and I could see clouds like maybe starting to come in. So, but I haven't gotten any rain over here yet. I think we were part of the 5% that was Ah, in the rain zone. Makes sense. So we are, you know, previewing several sets at the same time right now. We've got, got some more jump starts to look at. We got the early previews of... Innistrad Midnight Hunt. And uh, we also, you know, got a little bit of organized play news stuff going on. So I don't know what order we want to hit all these in. We could do the organized play stuff first, I guess. Yeah, we should probably do the organized play stuff first. It's the smaller of the topics. Yeah, because it's not really much of an announcement. It's not an announcement that affects like it affects a couple dozen people. So whatever. (laughs) Part of this is that Jumpstart got delayed. They had some sort of big patch on Arena, some sort of back-end patch thing that is tied in with the Jumpstart release, and that is getting delayed. So the Jumpstart... Simon is clawing at the door. (laughs) (laughs) He wants to podcast. 
<laughs> that got delayed, so the Jumpstart release also is getting delayed. A, I think everything's getting pushed back about two weeks, so we don't get Jumpstart until August 24th now when we were going to get it two days from now. So that's a little yeah. unfortunate. I was looking forward to setting aside some time. and The chaos mode? Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for whatever is going to... And actually, like, you know, there's a bunch of strong stuff in Jumpstart, but they kind of front-loaded what we saw and it's not nearly, it's not like we got half of Modern Horizons and Modern Horizons 2 in this. We didn't get like a ton of the power cards or anything. We got some of them, but not a ton. I also like the spoiling and previewing of like Dragon's Reach Channeler mm-hmm. because it's a card that's significantly impacted by your fast land, or excuse me, not fast lands, fetch lands mm-hmm. and Mishra's Bobble. Like that card, that makes it like a turn or two faster to, to be online. Yeah, I think, I think in modern, it's like kind of surprising when your Dragon's Rage Channeler isn't attacking for three on turn two. And I think in Historic, it's going to be surprising when you manage to attack for three on turn two. So I've I've had the reaction, because I play against Dragon's Rage Channel all the time in paper now, whenever I play paper. Mm-hmm. And when my opponent attacks me with their Dragon's Rage Channeler on turn two, I'm just like, yep, 16 or whatever, because I fetch on turn one. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 it's just one damage. I'm like, Shocking. Oh, oh, right, yeah. I forgot about that. That's a thing that can happen. <laughs> it won't be happening next turn, so, you know, enjoy it now. Yeah. But in Historic, it's not really going to be the case. Like, you, you have to work for it a lot more. Right. There's there's no bobble. There's a lower density of good one-mana spells. Although it's slightly higher with at least one of the Midnight Hunt early previews. Still going to be a very powerful card, I believe. But it's not going to put your opponent under the same, like, immediate life total pressure. So that that's good for the format, I think. Yeah, did you have like cards you were looking for Modern Horizons 2 that you did want to to talk about that made it in? Yeah, but th- wait, there's a little more to the organized play announcement, right? Because there's like gauntlet related stuff. So because oh right, because Jumpstart is getting delayed, Historic isn't getting a boost, so they're just not having people play Historic. I guess they're just playing Standard. That is really too bad. Like, I did not watch the Challenger Gauntlet that happened this past weekend because, I mean, I was busy. I was doing other stuff, but I also just wasn't particularly interested in seeing, like, old standard, old historic. And I'm definitely not interested in seeing just old standard. So kind of a bummer not to be able to see Jumpstart Historic for stakes on. I mean, delays are hard to avoid, but, man, that is definitely a letdown. I think I understand. I actually... This is the most reasonable format change I think they've done in a, a while, uh, changing it from historic. Because like if a product gets delayed and they have a schedule that they're keeping, like the World Champs is coming up kind of soon, mm-hmm. they don't want to push everything back and have people like rush into tournaments and stuff like that. So that makes sense to me. Uh, just like narrow it down to standard. The problem is there's just like no winning. You're never. No one's going to be excited about standard ever uh until like rotation it seems like and as far as historic goes you can't keep having that be a part of the format because people will expect all the jumpstart cards and they just won't be there mm-hmm. so you either axe it like they did or play old historic which no one can play by the time they're coming around yeah so yeah yeah so right no no real good options there unfortunately but it is just you know, kind of a bummer overall but an understandable one. Yeah, we can talk about... Do we want to talk about these Jumpstart cards that we didn't hit last week first? Or do we want to talk about the Midnight Hunt previews? Uh, I want to 
touch on like the split ranked season thing that they're doing. Oh, sure. Just because I don't like it before we go into previews. Uh huh. This August season was supposed to be split into like two halves one half with historic, not legal, and one half with historic, or not, excuse me, mm-hmm. the Jumpstart card's legal and one without. Because they're ending the season and the rotation will happen. That's kind of their idea. Okay, yeah. And they wanted to have two formats for that. So because Jumpstart got pushed back, they're still keeping the split format thing or the split season deal. Mm-hmm. But the way people are qualifying for like the arena tournament is very unusual. Uh, the normal one uh, for this, the end of this first split of the season where jumpstart was not legal it's just like normal the top 1200 and at the end of season but also they're having the first 500 players to reach mythic by august 10th which is today at like seven o'clock this morning Mm -hmm. also made it to that qualified for that tournament yeah and that is since they announced this what yesterday those people had less than 24 hours of heads up like hey just grind a mythic tonight you'll be great you'll be good well i also saw something on twitter before about and i wasn't really paying close attention to this but i saw something on twitter about them like removing that text from an announcement without well i i read the announcement earlier today when i was compiling his notes and it was still in there so if they did change that and remove it they could have but they didn't remove it from the announcement and and I think the season had been ongoing, right? So it's not just like you've got 24 hours to do it. It's more of a classic Watsi. You didn't realize how important the beginning of the season yeah. was yeah, <laughs> until we announced it, <laughs> which is just the least favorite thing they just continue to do over and over again. Yeah, that's extremely lame. It's also tied to like the stupid way that they do seasons. Like why is every month a season like baser seasons on set releases and rotations not on like it's it's a part of how magic works is that sets come out and formats change so like make a season a format like that it's just like tying it to months is literally just because hearthstone did it and there there's no other reason why it would be and because the grind back to mythic every time is so painful and it's just like you don't really play real games until then uh, it you know, there's just this like stupid burdensome cost to players every single month. If you actually want to use arena to play magic, like play competitive, difficult matches. And it, it just like is so weirdly player unfriendly for no, no benefit that I can determine whatsoever. I just listen to other podcasts, like especially Jerry's people, you know, in the hall of fame, just like, yep, going to be playing through bronze. Cause I want to play these new cards and, that's what I have to do, I guess. I mean, I think once you hit Mythic, like, what is the point of allowing your account to fall below, like, Platinum? Like, you're obviously not a Bronze or Silver or Gold play. Like, yeah, make you grind up to Mythic again every once in a while, but why make you grind up through Bronze? What's the What's the purpose of that? You also don't earn anything from playing constructed matches on Arena. You earn nothing. Whoa, 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 whoa. You get five packs if you're at Mythic at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I think it might be four. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's so wildly unrewarding. Based, you know, you play other card game, other digital card games, and you feel like, oh, I'm playing a video game, and it's rewarding me the way a video game does for taking actions in the video game and completing things, and you get stuff. 
and it just isn't how arena works and it's so stupid i mean i don't i I don't want to give arena so the digital card game space i think is just extremely bad in general Mm -hmm. almost every single game has the same basic economy the only two that really have ever stood out to me were legends of runeterra and gwent Mm -hmm. which you know are their pretty much their own things they have their own system and are just straight copying hearthstone but it's like the economy from arena is not that different from like hearthstone or whatever see so they shouldn't get a pass just because like a couple like everyone's doing it i mean and i don't i i obviously i haven't played hearthstone in a really long time but like i started playing hearthstone with its release and just kind of like played it a little bit every day and you know i generally had every tier one deck and i never spent money on hearthstone i think you're letting your memories get you on that one probably because i i had the same experience and i also got into hearthstone several years after that Mm -hmm. and tried it again and the world system at that point hadn't changed they've since changed it to slightly more predatory if you can believe that (laughs) i guess i did Uh, buy the adventures you had to buy the adventures but yeah yeah they don't do this anymore it's just all card releases so you have to spend more money yeah yeah so that i mean but there was a time when hearthstone was actually like relatively accessible but yeah i mean even then you you didn't necessarily feel like like the way that runeterra did just absolutely cracked it just like the the various meters that you are filling up by playing different factions and stuff like that you're always like getting to the next like pack full of goodies and at at least for the first you know couple of months that you're playing it and then it still keeps rewarding you after that i and it you know arena doesn't necessarily have to be that awesome i would appreciate it but boy it's stupid you play like hundreds of matches of ladder and you get just enough zero out of it yeah i wish that if they're gonna treat historic and magic arena as a video game first Mm -hmm. they shouldn't expect you to pay as much money for the cards as you would for like magic the gathering tabletop game yeah or even the other card games on the market that aren't Legends of Runeterra. Right, because you don't have access to competitive play at all times. If I let it go for a couple of months and now I'm bronze, I don't have access to competitive... I have... Maybe I still have the cards, but I can't play competitive matches. I... That's a shout-out for, like, uh, Arena Opens, though. I think that's the best tournament thing they could do because it's not tied the ladder at all. Right. Because the ladder's atrocious. Right, but, like, what I would like is for you know tournaments to be available all the time all the time yeah like magic yeah i mean i'm just describing magic online but you know i hate magic online for other reasons so which of your children do you hate the most (laughs) yes i despise (laughs) them all equally and for different reasons uh yeah so that's it that's all the organized play stuff right yeah we tangent it a little so i will probably not be watching like the next couple of weekends of the highest stakes magic that almost anybody has ever played and i just probably won't even turn it on i honestly hadn't considered even trying to watch it yep it's it's just what's the draw i can't i'm not interested in watching standard like i've seen enough stomps cast to last a lifetime I'm last weekend okay. when the challenger gauntlet was going on i was watching modern streams because that was more interesting and fun yes absolutely but shall we talk about some new cards or new to arena cards i don't know do, do innistrad midnight hunt or jumpstart your your choice 
dealers. Choice. I want to save the best for last. Okay. Let's, let's save Inner Strife for last. Yeah, actual new cards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So more jump starts. So I just kind of scrolled through now that we have an actual list to see stuff that we missed, and these are just kind of like in the order that they're on the list, not in any other actually useful order. So I am actually really excited that Abiding Grace is in Jumpstart, just because this is a card that clearly isn't good enough for modern. This is the two and a white enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, choose one, you gain one life, or return target creature card with mana value one from your graveyard to the battlefield. Like, it's a card that's probably too obnoxious for standard, clearly not powerful enough for modern, and maybe there is something cute that you can do with it in historic with, like, Stitcher suppliers and stuff like that. We don't have Martyr of Sands to, like, make it really egregious, which is probably for the best. But there are a lot of powerful one-mana creatures, especially, like, in black-white, that can be really obnoxious coming back turn after turn. So, I, and, you know, this does it right. It triggers at your end step, and so it's immediate impact and then just gives you value in a way that tends to extend the game and allows it to accrue more value that way so i you know this is a card that just weirdly appeals to me so i and this is maybe the only format where it could have a success so i, I want to try it yeah i think it's still probably a little too bad but it is a neat effect yeah i think the problem with it really is that vesper lark is also in this set i think that's generally a better ability even though you don't get a turn after turn after turn right yeah and i i mean i think vesper lark is also on my list of stuff to look at and you know there's the obvious now that you can combo it with perpetual shrinks so that it brings itself back a la body double from the revel arc days uh and so you there's access to some combos there if you have a blood artist effect in play and then you do the what davriel's withering or whatever on this or davriel yeah yeah or davriel then it kills your opponent I, that is a three-card combo, so I'm not super worried about that. Like, there's other... If all of the cards are good in your deck individually, then that does become, like, potentially really good. I, I think there's some merit to trying it out, because Stitcher Supplier is a 1-1 that mills cards, then your Vesper Lark, you yeah. get your, like, Blood Artist or whatever, that's a 1. No, I, I think well. this could be pretty good. I'm just saying I'm not, like, worried about it as... You know, when, Taking I, over. when I heard Jerry and Brian talking about it, Brian was just assuming that it was going to get banned, and I'm just not there. Oh, that, that yeah, I, I don't think so. It, it, maybe a little too clunky. Mana bases aren't incredibly strong to support white black anyway. Yeah, especially because the white black decks tend to like have like white and Tons black one drops, and yeah, lots of yeah. pips generally. That's just like kind of how the powerful cards in those colors are designed for some reason. Yeah. And it kind of sucks for playing them together in the same deck. Right. Heavy pips early. So probably my builds will feature a lot of shambling ghasts to <laughs> put some treasure. I mean, you get Phyrexian there. Tower. That's not too bad. Tower is sick. Yeah, that's true. Tower is a disgusting magic card. But you can't cast any one drops off of Tower, so you gotta, you know, factor that in. Okay. Well, I'll factor it. When you're... When you're you start out and you really want to start out with like three bit inspector and shambling ghast. It's just like, I don't know about this one. This Phyrexian tower is not doing it for me. Nope. Uh, some other white cards, Ranger captain of Aos is in the set might be a part of, you know, 
it can shut down your opponent's ability to interact with your combo while potentially getting like a thing uh but certainly the there's no walking ballistas to get with it in this format which reduces it maybe to getting death shadows more than anything else yeah i think this is mostly death shadow card Mm -hmm. maybe you can see it in like some of the more white heavy mid-rangey decks people play on ladder all the time just to craft three of an inspector three of an inspector baby I, I guarantee you'll see this get three of an inspector way more than you'd expect oh for sure but mostly i think it's just like a death shadow card if you if you can do that i, I think that's the most likely spot for Are the is silent clearing and co- company on this release i don't think they are no they are not because I, I would have heard about it by yeah now. that yeah, would yeah, that would be a big change to the format they only put the black ones in just to really hammer it home that this is an incomplete cycle. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got. We got Restoration Angel, which I think is good enough. That card just still has a lot going for it. And, you know, people even love to still try it in modern, but it's a four mana spell, so you just can't do that. But Restoration Angel and Soul Herder and Ephemerator in the format, like, and, and you know, Resto has a place in a lot of because it has this like multiple role sort of thing where sometimes it's just a threat that you put into play at the end of their turn. Sometimes it saves something from a removal spell and gives you value. Sometimes it like really starts blinking your stuff. Uh, and I, I do think that it's probably good enough. The bad Eternal Witness from Modern Horizons 2 is also in this set. So that is maybe something that makes ephemerate good because i think that was really what was missing from the ephemerate decks is that just like unstoppable value engine but cost mold drifter too yeah you want ephemerate mold drifter that's a neat little trick for modern too where you evoke elemental then ephemerate it yeah also hold on i love that mold drifter won a modern challenge in <laughs> this year it's so satisfying yes. I, I love mold drifter everyone loves mold drifter. Every, yeah. it's like yeah such a wholesome card it is wonderful and it just does so many little things between being a huge value card when you can support it or have the blink or it sometimes it's just a divination and that's what you need sometimes it triggers something because it comes into play and leaves play it's just it's just so nice it's really nice the only time anybody gets mad about it is like in pauper because like pauper tron was but that's not a playable deck anymore so i get mad at the fnm mold drifter because it's not nearly as happy as all the other ones mm, true it's like evil mold drifter and <laughs> I, I just can't wrap my head around evil mold drifter. alternate universe mold drifter yeah <laughs> mustache mold drifter <laughs> uh let's see thalia's lieutenant is also in the set i don't think we talked about that uh we did did briefly. we okay yeah well then thalia's lieutenant is in the set there's a, a lot of decent humans and including Thalia, so hard to imagine that that's not a thing. Well, Thalia's Lieutenant is an incredibly powerful card. I love that you included hard evidence on this list. Every time you see it somewhere, you want to talk about it. <laughs> Dude, uh, Indomitable Creativity is already good enough in the format. Like, hard evidence yeah, is Yeah, it's so just good. a good card. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it when the crab token blocks a two-power creature. It's just so satisfying. It is, especially when it's Raghavan. Get bent, monkey. Yeah, no Ragavan's going to Historic. No, but... it's true. Uh, Thought Monitor is in the set. If you want something to do with, like, Emria and a bunch of cheap 
crappy artifacts? I don't know if there are that many cheap crappy artifacts. I think this is the... Uh, yeah. Are the bridges in this set? The no, they lands? are not. They aren't, really. So we And Darksteel Citadel is not. So we only have tre- Treasure, treasure Vault. Vault or whatever it's called. Yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah. I, I thought you could... Like, if you just had the white-blue bridge, yeah. <laughs> you could try to do, like, the uh, Thought Monitor plus tempered steel kind of thing they're printing all these white artifact creatures into the format for it it seems but i guess they don't want to go too hard with artifact lands because insult artifact effects would be good with them not insult artifact itself that one is apparently too good but literally every other possible version of the insult effect is is now on arena yep yeah i don't know like thought monitor may be Yeah, not having that, think, that duel does kind of suck, but there are... I think without a way to put a lot of artifacts into play, it's just not very good at anything, like, even right. with Emery. Right. Because right. there's not that many good cheap artifacts, well, and or I, many cheap artifacts at all. But I, I am thinking that maybe your cheap artifacts are... Because we got like a bunch of the modular stuff, and so if your cheap artifacts are all creatures, but then you are doubling down on the like existing weakness of the artifact aggro deck and if your opponent just removes all of your creatures and then you have thought monitors stuck in your hand yeah. that didn't solve any problems right and you can't get them out fast enough to mitigate because thought monitor is really really good when you can get it out turn three or four yeah. just to mitigate the weakness of you running out of steam and your opponent removing stuff mm-hmm. but if they kill stuff before you can actually get thought monitor down it becomes a liability yeah yeah that is tough but just to mention that like one of the things going on in the set is that they are giving us a bunch of the modular stuff. We got Arcbound Mouser, which is the lifelinker for one mana modular one. Arcbound Prototype, just the two mana modular two. And we got Zabaz. So that's a lot of cheap artifact modular creatures. The, you know, Tempered Steel, Steel Overseer. Ozolith. The Ozolith. Like there's the Ozolith works beautifully with modular. It does work really it's well. It's one of the most perfect interactions. You just never lose those counters. And it, and they like double, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really good with modular. And hard scales is in this one too, right? I, I didn't yes. miss that. I think we talked about it last time. Yeah. But if we that was before the modular cards had all been previewed. Right, 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 right. So maybe you can do some hardened scales modular stuff with the Ozolith. I don't know. It's probably not great. But it's something that seems fun. It seems kind of enabled. I mean, certainly we don't have Walking Ballista, which is the huge... Like, if we had Walking Ballista, I would be yeah, confident we, I would try it. this would be <laughs> decent. But in the absence... No Angerback Walker either, which is not great. Right. So you got to figure out some way... Because, like, the efficiency of having hardened scales out and making creatures is, like, good... But the thing that makes it really good is having some way to use that to close. And that's Ravager, Walking Ballista, something. Inkmoth Nexus. Inkmoth Nexus, yeah. yeah. And kind of none of those. So you just have like a ton of power and toughness. And then what do you do past that? I'm not totally sure. You give one of your creatures haste with the goblin that does that perpetually. Hold on. Then you stack up some creatures, some counters on the Ozolith. <laughs> and you sneak in a creature... Give it haste, put all the counters on it, and just kill your opponent. Ah, of course. That seems unlikely to work, but I mean, yeah. I think we're much more likely to just kill them by giving Zabaz flying and killing them with it. That seems <laughs> easier <laughs> and yeah. more possible. 
Uh, and Nettlesist is in the set too, if that is relevant for that sort of thing. Nettlesist is very powerful. Another card which really wants the stupid bridges. It does want bridges really badly. Like, are the bridges too powerful for historic? I wouldn't think they would be. They, they're coming to play tap lands. Right, there's a real cost to that. It would certainly open up the artifact decks. That, that would make a big difference. Uh, what else? Haunted Dead, a personal favorite of mine, is in here. It probably won't do anything, but it is a discard enabler from the graveyard, and it's just a card that I really like a lot. It's a nice little card to look at beside face looting and remind yourself how good faithless looting yes. is. <laughs> Goblin Engineer is in the set. That probably won't do anything, but we got like goblin engineer emery we just need like the things to go along with them doctor foundry source of meek <laughs> i don't think they're gonna give us those and they probably shouldn't but are they on the lightning bolt list of cards we'll never allow into historic the lightning bolt and flame tongue kavu list <laughs> yes they are on that list cannot allow flames on kavu absolutely not uh, you have Galvanic Relay on this list? Is that That's the Storm card, right? The Popper one? Well, I have Galvanic Relay dot dot dot. Wait, because we already have all the busted Storm cards and they don't do anything in the format. So Yeah, we don't have any rituals. Right. That's the, There's the deal. No rituals whatsoever. No way to generate mana makes the Storm cards significantly worse. Yeah, but just wait until Innistrad comes out with all these ritual bangers and Jumpstart's just going to be a changed format. That does not seem like a possible future that we have available to us hey vessel of volatility was in shadows of renestrad mm -hmm. and that's like kind of a ritual it, some people put it into things to try to make it work it was <laughs> not good yeah verdant command perhaps it's like a little more efficient than most two mana token makers you get a little so bit more out of it I'll admit I only know two modes on that card, and that's the squirrel mode, of course, mm -hmm. and then counter a loyalty ability of a planeswalker. Yes. <laughs> I could not tell you the other two modes to save my life. The other two modes are exile a card from a graveyard and target player gains three life. Okay, I would have guessed gain some life. Sure. <laughs> I would not have guessed cremate. It's mostly a raise the alarm that is rare, but sometimes you counter a Tybalt activation or something. But I don't, you know, token decks are not really what I'm about in historic. I, I, just, I don't think it's... I don't think they're that strong. There's not... You have intangible virtue kind of as some support, but you really don't want ground tokens. You want the flying tokens with that card. Yeah, I mean, you do kind of take what you can get for Legion, Legion's Landing flips it specifically. Like, you do want sure. some amount of two mana make two tokens if you're playing Legion's Landing in your deck. I would almost certainly rather have Gather the Townsfolk than Verdant Command <laughs> if we're already starting with, like, just a white base. Sure. But, you know, probably any token deck is going to be green-white. I don't know. Who knows? I have no idea what, what, what the tokens players are doing these days. They'll let us know. Yes. Their names will be known. <laughs> no, they won't. Nobody, there's no venue for it. No. Okay, okay. that's my bad. I'm sorry, Tokens they, players. They told us that a little while ago. Uh, Priest of Felrites gives a little bit of redundancy to anybody doing like unburial rites kind of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's also a thing, it's kind of nice in those decks where you're running on burial rights because like on burial rights just if you draw it it just sits in your hand 
until you manage to discard it to your faithful suiting or you get up to your five mana and then get to use it as a reanimation spell. I, I do really like that Priest of Fell Rights can be your, you know, you're mostly planning on getting something huge back and paying four or five mana to do it, but it's so big that that's fine. And Priest lets you just, it gives you some amount of two mana plays in your deck. Not a great play, but like here's a 2-2 when like otherwise it would be an unburial rights in my hand. So I, I kind of like that. Modern is a format that's too powerful to base your deck around four and five mana uh, reanimation spells <laughs> but in historic there there is some amount of place for that uh, and it's uh, neat it is another graveyard card though which is very flooded in yeah. historic yes there's lots you can do with your graveyard and it seems the most powerful cards are centered around there mm -hmm. a lot of the time and this is maybe one of the weaker ones since it requires a little more setup but it still can be very strong that isn't one of the giant creatures reanimation targets in the set there's that they printed in mod horizons i don't know what there is gigantic thought, in this set i thought the white one was printed oh yeah just... you're right sarah sarah's emissary sarah's yeah, emissary right. yeah N not archon of cruelty but sarah's emissary <laughs> yes and also in like the last in the last historic anthology all the uh praetors got printed so you know if you want to bring back a jingitaxis or whatever like those are available to you Okay, let's start with Elishnor, yes. and then we'll work our way <laughs> to Gengitax. So, <laughs> I, after that historic anthology got released, the entirety of, like, casual, the casual arena queue and, like, every stream for, like, multiple days was just Unburial Rights Praetor decks with just, like, five different Praetors in them and stuff. It was just all anybody wanted to do. <laughs> I mean, I do like drawing seven cards, don't get me wrong, but... <laughs> There's got to be another way. I'm, like, still pretty confident that... So, I mean, like, Dragonstorm is still the best thing to be doing with your graveyard. Like, that's just re really, really good. Uh, but if you're doing, like, creatures that way, like, I'm pretty sure still that getting back Niv-Mizzet is just, like, the best because Niv-Mizzet is really castable, too, and you win a lot of games where you just cast Niv-Mizzet. So, I'm, like pretty fine with reanimating that thing and then casting a faithless looting and murdering your opponent's stuff uh and i've very rarely I, I haven't been playing that deck very much but when i did i was never in a spot where i was like man this niv it sucks i really wish this was a gin Gitaxis or an elish right now so <laughs> a card that costs way more mana yeah. that's flash though huh <laughs> yeah if, when you cast it for 10 yeah I mean, I'm sure someone's flashed it in. I think that's like a pro commander move, certainly. Does it reduce everyone's maximum hand size to zero? It has to, right? That's yeah. just how the predators work. Yeah. 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 Ooh, that's brutal. Pro commander play indeed. I don't even know how to type this card into... Oh, yeah, because it's Gitaxius. Okay. Yes, each opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by seven. But you can only really get, like, one person with it. Because then somebody gets a main phase before they get to their end step. And if they have anything, then they can get rid of it. So it's really just the person you hate the most. Yes. Uh, let's see what else. We talked about Mole Drifter. We can just keep talking about Mole Drifter <laughs> if you want. There's there's more affinity stuff as far as like the, the Zabaz artifact stuff go. Like Mirror Enforcers in this set. No Sojourner's Companion though. Probably because they didn't want you to look at artifact land cycling yeah. and realize that 
Oh, whoops. This only well, it could get treasure vault. Yep, that's the only one. That's not so great. That's not much of a mana fixer. It might as well just have treasure vault cycling at that point, though, right? <laughs> There's some enchantment stuff too with Sterling Grove, a couple of other enchantments, but they're not. Oh really. sure. Also, I think Sterling Grove's already in historic, wasn't it? I wasn't it in anthology. Oh, maybe. I believe it was, that but I, funny I could be wrong. For it to be in historic and like just got into modern. Yeah, looking through all the spoiler page right now is not really gonna give anything super positive because there are a thousand cards in this set. I know. There's so many. Like I, I just start at red and I just keep scrolling and I scroll like fourteen times with my mouse wheel and I'm still in red and it's like, okay, I'm <laughs> I cannot differentiate these cards anymore. Uh Ransack the Lab is a thing. This is just black color shifted strategic planning. That's good enough for black decks in historic that are doing graveyard stuff. Uh it, it just is efficient enough. I mean, it's just strategic. Strategic planning is good when it is good. Yeah. Just color should give another color, let you play it in that color. A, so. a color that appreciates that effect more generally. Yeah. Probably can't use Bloodbraid Marauder for anything. Too hard to get Delirium. Too little payoff. Yeah. Although, I mean, maybe you do it in something fair. That's just like, maybe I'll hit a Dragon's really. Rage Channeler or an Unholy Heat with this. It's a Blade of the Six part, right? It's just a 3-1? Yeah, so you have to be pretty aggressive for it to do anything. That doesn't seem like a reasonable payout. It's like not a good body, and right. its ability is not going to be good until much later. And then maybe not even good then. And probably in the DRC decks, you're just like not going to have Delirium very easily without drawing Dragon's Channeler. Rage Channeler. Which yeah. isn't really a concern if that's your... If your delirium cards are that and unholy heat, but if you start stacking your deck with more stuff, then it becomes uh, a problem potentially. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of done with jumpstart. God, that's, that's most of the neat stuff. I forgot how good the name Goblin Bird Grabber is. I didn't know that was a card. Which one is that? It's just a goblin that gains flying until end of turn, but only if you control a creature with flying because it's grabbing a bird. Oh, this is from F twenty. Okay. <laughs> sure yeah you're right i don't really care about any of this other stuff yeah it's there's just so much of it i know it's so hard to go through and you 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 can't really track most of it right yeah absolutely um yeah so we can just go to midnight hunt early previews okay i both like and hate what they did with this preview session uh-huh where it was mostly i watched the stream it was mostly like an kind of like an ad stream basically they laid out all the booster products and stuff and the commander decks that were coming out without showing out any of the commanders or anything they just wanted you to know they're also having commander products for stuff and all the different kinds of boosters you could buy and then because no one would care if plus they showed preview cards they then showed preview cards <laughs> and it just ended up being like some staple cards and red and seven and zero werewolves, which is what the set is about. Yeah, that so, is weird. Weird decision. <laughs> but I, I think the cards we got are actually pretty good. Yes, they definitely showed off a bunch of like, oh, this is going to see modern play cards. Or at least one, this one. is going <laughs> to see, this is guaranteed to see modern play. And then a bunch of like, yeah, these are good enough. These will do stuff. Yeah, that card is consider. Yes. A card which is incredibly good, 
Uh, I was really happy when Opt was spoiled in Ixalan, because that's a card I've been wanting in Modern forever. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Serum Visions and Sleight of Hand are garbage. They're just not that great, <laughs> and you're kind of forced into playing them a lot of the time. Right. At, make it an instant and, so that you can, like, you know, hold up your Spell Pierce or whatever is good. And then also, you know, as opposed to Serum Visions, which doesn't give you any card selection on that turn, like... Opt lets you find your team or battle rage on the last turn of the game. And yeah, it's just really nice to have. And I've been playing Opt in Modern a non-trivial amount of the time. Mm-hmm. It's just a good card, a good cantrip. Yep. I remember when everyone was arguing on Death Shadow whether you should play uh, Sleight of Hand or Opt for maybe it was Phoenix 2. I think this discussion came back around. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a useless discussion where <laughs> regardless of what the winner is, Opt is still in the conversation and being very good yeah and consider is almost strictly better strictly better <laughs> it's just i i played an breach deck in the last tournament i played in with four ops in it right i would have way rather played consider so consider is opt but it's surveil instead of scry basically you can put the card into your graveyard yes uh yeah that's fantastic the number of times that i've like seen a phoenix with my opt and had to bottom it because i didn't have the faithless looting yet you know you don't you don't have to do that kind of stuff anymore just throw it in the graveyard where it belongs draw your next card you're good to go or it like any card that you don't want putting it in the graveyard is just better than putting it onto the bottom of your library because you do stuff with cards in your graveyard you exile them to escape you whatever like this card is really, really good. Yeah, I like comparing this card to Opt way more than I do to Thoughtscour mm-hmm. because Thoughtscour is played with a very clear purpose of just dumping whatever cards you, however many cards you can in your graveyard for just a single mana. Mm-hmm. Like you're not really looking for card selection of that card. You're looking for just quantity of cardboard. Yeah, and Thoughtscour is gonna be better in those instances than Consider will be. But at least in your Thoughtscour decks, this allows you to play a little bit extra cantrip copies of it even if they aren't as good at that job for sure yeah i mean if i'm playing any you know if i'm playing like a pyromancer ascension deck at some point like i definitely want thought scours and considers in my deck that sounds really good mm-hmm. uh, murktide regent really good card that uses your graveyard well yeah you can consider playing consider wow okay i mean can, gotta figure out how my vocabulary works to fit this new card name in now it's it's obviously fantastic with dragon's rage channeler as well it's you know it's text when you have Dragon's Rage Channeler in play is like surveil one, surveil one, draw a card, which is really, really strong. That The Dragon's Rage Channeler thing is kind of a, a whammy for the existing Merktide decks because they do play Serum Visions or Slide of Hand instead of opt just to have enough sorceries to power up Delirium. True. So that is a little awkward for Consider, but... I, that doesn't bump me I'm up. sure That's you fine. can work around it, Like you know? You can probably work around it, and I, I don't mind those decks having, like, a kind of awkward decision. Those decks are really good as is, so... Yeah, sure. But yeah, card is obviously... Card is a strict upgrade to a card that sees a ton of play in every single format short of Legacy, so... The one with Brainstorm. Yes. <laughs> uh, and also, like, in Historic, getting Brainstorm banned... Not only, like, was Brainstorm really good in Phoenix, but you literally, like, didn't have enough cantrips. So people were playing Crash Throws and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like, upgrading from your Ops to Considers is, like, pretty nice. Upgrading from your Crash Throughs to Considers is uh, 
yeah, that's that's a a big upgrade. It feels like you're playing with Brainstorm again. Kind well, of. Well, maybe not, but <laughs> if you're if you're if all you've known is crash through your whole life, <laughs> and someone hands you a consider, it's world changing. Uh yeah, that's that's a big difference. That'll open your eyes to the possibilities of blue mana for sure. Uh, other staples we got, uh, we just got a better shock. It's just red mana shock, but if you deal damage to a player, scry one. That card is called play with fire. Yeah, I probably a good prince. Like the point in the aggro game where you have to start aiming burn spells at your opponent, and you know you're just trying to like Bring. top deck burn. Uh, I, like I appreciate that it contributes to that. I am a little bummed that forever now shock will be not a thing and you know shock's kind of a classic so that's a little sad i i don't mind it every now and then because i like the upgraded shocks that do something for instance i i I like shock as a card and i really like galvanic blast which is just super shock Mm -hmm. if you do the art if you do the the sets themes And I don't like Wild Slash because it's just kind of garbage. It's just shock 95% of the time, and then 5% of the time it has text that doesn't matter. Yes. <laughs> well, and that's what I kind of liked is that in Pioneer, I got to play my shocks and just not bother with Wild Slash. And that was was kind of nice. And you just don't, don't really get to play your shocks anywhere anymore. But, oh, well, that's not a big deal. You can still do it. If you've got fancy shocks, just play with them. Will you be giving that much up? Yeah, I think you really... I think yeah. that it would be... It's a lot more of a spew to not play with Play With Fire than to not play with Wild Slash. Where you can yeah, of course. easily play through multiple tournaments where the text just doesn't matter on, on Wild Slash. I think that's mostly like a Pioneer thing, though. That's the only format it's relevant in. Yeah. I, I do think Shock will come back to Standard at some point. You'll have to pull, you'll be able to play with your old Shocks again. I mean, it's a Historic thing, too. We play shock, we play Literal Shock in Historic because there was not a better one, and now we play Play With Fire. Okay. And, and I mean, this is a significant upgrade because a lot of your turn 3, turn 4, bring Phoenixes back involves Shocking Face because shocking they don't have them. anything in play. And so getting a Scry out of it is really good. Sure. So we'll pour one out for Shock, but... I, I like marginally better shocks as a design thing. Sure. We got a removal spell in Infernal Grasp. One in a black instant. Destroy target creature. You lose two life. This is, like, weirdly narrower than a lot of the restricted targeting Doomblades. Because yes. it's, like, Doomblade. But if they are playing aggro, this is, like, potentially really bad. Yeah, I actually don't like this card very much. I, I think it's perfectly playable and good. Mm-hmm. It's just most of the time I would almost rather have Doomblade. Mm-hmm. Like, actual Doomblade. Like, I'll give up the ability to kill black creatures if I could just save my life. Yes. I, a lot of times, like, the two-mana removal spell is, like, barely keeping up with you getting attacked by one and two-mana creatures. And then if you lose two, ma- two life along the way, uh, you could easily get run over. And heaven forbid they, I don't know, out-tempo me while I'm casting this removal spell. You're just never coming back. Yeah, I I do think this card's like really playable still. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just that with power word kills still being in the format, you have to really evaluate the number of gold span dragons in the format before you're willing to max out on infernal grasp. I think. I mean, I do think this is kind of a. I guess it is kind of the opposite of power word kill, right? Because like this is yeah. better at killing the gold span dragons, the four and five mana stuff, and power word kill is like. <laughs> 
potentially dead against stuff. that stuff. Yeah. Kills Questing Beast, but that's in Vorin Clicks, I guess. Well, <laughs> this when this comes in, Questing Beast is gone. So, yeah. So Power Word Kills done its job. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> so and also, uh, in like historic Death Shadow, I think value sure. is a couple extra ways to lose life. It's like not quite without Fetch Shock mana base it's not quite at the consistency of life loss you know like no dismember either yeah no dismember so you know mostly when it has seen play it's been alongside a danto vanguard just as a way to like brute force your way into life loss and this maybe gives you options outside of that god i love the white card that just lets you pay a ton of life (laughs) (laughs) i i mean i've definitely seen like the turn two adano vanguard pay for life go on your turn yeah i'll pay another four life like do you do champion of the parish next because that's a card i i really like yes i mean so i have adorable i have this i have this strange affinity for the zombie decks in original innistrad like grave crawler is one of my favorite creatures for some reason this one's pretty good with super fun and champion of the parish is a black mana one one it's a zombie and whenever a zombie enters the battlefield under your control, you put a plus one counter on it. It's an it's the mirror of Champion of the Parish, which is the human version of this card. It's very cute. Like this is very adorable. It's its flavor text is also mirrored with Champion of the Parish, which is very adorable as well. <laughs> the only thing that it doesn't have that Champion of the Parish does is that it's not a soldier. Oh, well, that never really mattered for Champion of the Parish. You, you just you lose your ability to be a soldier when you die, I guess. Well, yeah, zombie is a both a race and a career. So, <laughs> I this gives me hope, but like, this card's like whatever right now because zombies don't exist. Mm-hmm. But this card gives me hope that there will be some zombie or tribal synergies in Innistrad that would be nice and pushed, because I think Innistrad is one of the very very few sets original Innistrad and Dark Ascension that did tribal well mm-hmm. and had impact and was fun to play with all the tribes feeling unique something that none of the actual tribal sets like ixalan really ever cracked yeah they had they all had like solid identities in innistrad although kind of because they didn't necessarily you know like the zombies didn't do a ton for each other and you know it was just like they had mechanical identities that united them without necessarily being like you got to draft this super linear tribal deck yeah they they had payoffs for doing zombie stuff Mm -hmm. without being here are your four lords or whatever exactly because then they all start to feel the same when it's you've got literal like here's lord of atlantis here's goblin king yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean this is a very different card from champion of the parish because you know, the humans deck uses that as its muscle while it's backing it up with disruptive creatures. There's no such thing as disruptive zombies. You generally, like, go wide and this is your, like, go tall in the middle of your go wide swarm, assuming we get zombies, which I'm sure we will. But Zombies are good at sacrificing stuff for value, too. Mm-hmm. So you can use other things as fodder and still maintain a board state. Yeah. And, and, like, you know, the thing that this can work with that, you know, Champion of the Parish can't is, like, if you have a Gravecrawler-type card that you keep 
sacrificing and recasting or something like this benefits from that humans isn't capable of doing anything like that humans need to die before they can do such things yes. <laughs> is it possible to learn such power well you've got to be careful how you die because you don't want to be a spirit well you probably like separate into both right like that's how you get a haunted dead there's also soul separator which makes the oh, water yeah, very that's, muddy that's that is hilarious but like like that's what haunted dead is right you get the zombie and then you get the spirit of the body haunting the body i thought there were two spirits for haunted dead no you only get the one spirit it's one. yeah there's there's another one like that that makes two isn't there i think there was an eldritch moon or one of those sets i don't I, I know haunted dead was not the only card like that it's just the most efficient <laughs> I don't know, maybe Haunted Day is the only card like that. Yeah, like, so So the thing you might be thinking of is it's a play off of the, like, Shadows over Innistrad mechanic, and it works off of, like, Ghoul Steed and, like, yeah, Stitchwing Scob, yeah. Anyways, the whole point is it's a body, and it's the spirit haunting the body that it came from and is no longer driving, which, you know, I guess makes our bodies really just mechs driven by spirits, which brings us to Renin 7. <laughs> Renin 7? How did that bring us to Renin 7? Because the uh, Renin 7 is a tree folk and a dryad. Ren is the dryad. And then 6 yes. and 7 are his tree folk mechs that he drives around. Well, 6 he left behind. Because after he leaves them, I don't know whether they just die, explode, or are abandoned. Right, but the point is that he drives them around as though they are mechs from Mech Warrior. Yes. Yes, exactly. Or Gundams or Takes something Takes a tree like from wherever Ren ends up. Mm -hmm. So now Ren's in this Innistrad tree that's all very spooky. Mm -hmm. And in the full art has a pumpkin. Yes, I will be purchasing full art Ren and Sevens. Explicitly. Are you going to purchase any pumpkin planes? No, because I'm probably going to invest heavily in the black and white lands <laughs> from this set because I think they're extremely cool. They are really cool. They, they look like the... Um, they remind me of the Kaldheim secret lair lands in black and white stuff, mm -hmm. but the borders are way better. Yes. No, these are some of the best looking basics that they've ever done. I'm I'm really, really into these. Just they they work perfectly. I, I love how when you take the color out of the art, that means you don't have to demand that the basics be like saturated in the color of the land. Yeah. One of the things that annoys the most about mountains is that they're all red. When mountains are never just red. not red. <laughs> just, they're just not red. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, yeah, and so the color comes entirely from the frame, and then the art extends past the frame, and they just look fantastic. These are really well done. Right. They got uh, Dan Mumford, I think, mm -hmm. to do one of each, and then various artists for the other set. And I really, really like the swamp that uh, Elena Damer does. Yeah, the it's so pretty. The Elena ones are are very good. She also did one of the planes, and the scarecrows in the foreground are definitely doing it for me. Anyway, Ren and Seven. Yeah, Ren and Seven, three green green, five loyalty planeswalker, just a a boatload of abilities. Yeah, it's another four loyalty ability planeswalker. They've all been pretty good, right? How many have there been? Chandra and Jace. Is that it? Anyways. Ren and seven, three GG, five loyalty, plus one, reveal the top four cards of your library, put all land cards revealed this way into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. So that's just the text of mulch. Zero, put any number of land cards from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. 
minus three, create a green tree folk creature token with reach, and this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. Minus eight, return all permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. You get an emblem with you have no maximum hand size. It's always a little bit of a coin flip with five mana planeswalkers these days, but I do like the positioning of this one specifically because it comes down, makes a token that's a real threat, and stays as a Planeswalker with two loyalty that can do more stuff. But, like, that token is really real. That's not just a 3-3. Like, that's a big Yeah, thing. it's at least a 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. Since they don't give us ways to generate mana that aren't lands in standard mm-hmm. that are playable. <laughs> like, we're not turboing out Ren and Seven with mana lift or whatever. No, we're using, so, uh, what's that? bad rampant growth that puts counters on on them from Strixhaven. Emergence, emergence sequence. We're using emergence sequence to get red and seven oh, out. Sure. The, the token's going to be a 4-4 four, four, or 5-5, five, five, most likely. Yeah. And after that, it just draws cards. That's kind of the only thing red and seven does. You're just basically drawing lands, mostly to make another tree folk. But if you are in like a stalemated game, I guess you could try to go for the emblem. I also would not underrate the power of that zero after a plus or two. You know, you have a lot of lands in your hand, and then you just slam like four of them into play, and you kind of can do whatever with your mana at that point. Yeah, if you've got a really good mana sink, I think Red and Seven excellent. I mean, even just Lair of the Hydra. Yeah, that's a mana sink. Yeah. I also really like the specific matchup between this and goldspan dragon i mean you don't love it if they played a goldspan dragon you're like ren and seven make my reach thing hope that that's good enough but if you get your ren and seven down before their goldspan dragon make your reach thing then you are way you know you got goldspan dragon covered for a little bit and that's nice yeah and goldspan dragon is going to be a a big part of standards until it somehow gets outclassed or rotates so yeah got a year left with that for ren and seven to keep in check I, I do like this card. Being monocolored is, is also very nice. Yeah, a lot of our Planeswalkers require a little more deck consideration than this one, which just wants you to be a mid-range deck that is happy to do stuff with a lot of lands. and Which I don't think is very hard in a set with Flashback. Like, the, the other card we got spoiled is a, it's just a Flashback card, and all Flashback cards have typically egregious Flashback costs mm-hmm. so that you don't just play the same spell every single turn forever. Right. Yeah, and this works pretty nicely with that because if you have uh, some flashback cards in your deck, this will dump some number of value cards into your graveyard as well. So you're drawing cards a sideways way there? Mm -hmm. I think it's likely that this card is pretty good. Yeah, I think so too. Not like generically super powerful, but a really solid Planeswalker. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a five mana Planeswalker. There's only been one like format truly format warping five mana planeswalker and that's teferi hero of dominaria so oh i thought you were gonna talk about nissa who shakes okay the yeah Nissa like isn't a planeswalker though right like nissa's just like this ridiculous mana engine slash threat yeah but she kills you too so yeah. <laughs> that's a planeswalker yeah, for you that 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 is true i like in my head i just don't like i treat her as like a wilderness reclamation rather than yeah because that's how what the format was at the time like wilderness reclamation Nissa. Fires of Invention, that whole kind of deal. She was just one of those. The only, like, value Planeswalker that has done, like, massive format shifting has been Teferi Hero of Dominaria. This is much more of a... I mean, it's it's neither of those. An Omnixless? 
<laughs> it's not. No, this is really not an Obnixilis, <laughs> and that's cool. Like I, I no, not an Obnixilis like template, but an Obnixilis power level. Yeah, that's fair. But you know, we mean a specific thing when we say a card is an Obnixilis. <laughs> and then what else? There's join the dance. Green white sorcery makes two one one white human creature tokens. Flashback three green and a white. If there's a green and a white token deck, I guess this goes in it. But boy, spending unless you've really ground up the game, spending five mana to get two one one tokens is not like adding that yeah, onto it. Raise the remarkable. alarm doesn't add very much power level to it. It's also a sorcery, so you're not even yeah. You can't even ambush anything right from your graveyard, which is my favorite part about <laughs> Elf and Ambush. <laughs> <laughs> the the weirdest or most remarkable thing about me for this card is I did not realize there are zero multicolored flashback cards in all of Magic before this card. Yes, I didn't either. It, there's like ancient grudges and forbidden alchemies, but there's no actual gold cards. And it is really funny that they were like, guess what? Multicolored flashback cards, exactly what you've been waiting for. And I, I think almost everybody was just like, oh, I didn't know that we didn't. I didn't even realize that those. that was a thing that we were waiting for. <laughs> like, it seems unremarkable. You just go back in your mind. You're like, isn't there like, I swear to God. The... Yeah, lingering souls. Is, I guess that's not. Mm, hmm. Not technically. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess you're right. But, but it's like. Right, exactly, because it, it like ancient grudge and lingering souls just straight up are multicolored spells. Every once in a while, you'll put like a deck that does not have the front side of the mana, but always puts them in the graveyard, can use some sort of flash. But almost always, lingering souls is a black white card. Ancient grudge is a green red card. So this is not different from that in 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 actual application. Nope. It's just, I guess you can't mill it over with dredge and cast it with only green mana or whatever. <laughs> and then last there is Triska Decafile. One and a blue for a 1-3 human wizard. You have no maximum hand size. At the beginning of your, of your upkeep, if you have exactly 13 cards in your hand, you win the game. And three and a blue, draw a card. Mostly an Azure Mage. Yeah, uh, yeah a poorly statted Azure Mage. <laughs> is it poorly statted? I mean, you only brought in Azure Mages against control matchups if you're yeah, playing Yeah, so deck I guess the two power is a little bit better, yeah. Uh, yeah, and they're not having removal spells. Yeah, I mean, this card doesn't really matter very much. No, that's why we saved it for last. The best for last. <laughs> I don't understand why this card is collecting hands in the artwork. Because hands have five fingers. Isn't this supposed to be a, Tradesco, a, tra a 13 lover? So is it when you have 13 hands in your hand you win the game is that what it's representing once you've collected 13 you, hands but why would you collect hands which have like countable numbers know. of digits that aren't in 13s i don't know instead of i don't know like heads there's only one unit of head the execution of this card is worse than triskaidekaphobia i will give you that yes also I mean, I guess it's cute that Triskaidekaphobia, like, it's a phobia, and this one is the opposite of having a phobia. So I guess that's kind of cute, but this is, like, a really direct callback to it. Like, not a lot of subtlety here, and it, it would have been nice to have something, just a, you know, a few more, a different sort of nod to the 13 cards from the original Innistrad, but oh well. I mostly like when they reference tropes, not other cards. Mm-hmm. 
there's only like very few exceptions to that, which I think Champion of the Perished is one. Yes. Because <laughs> it's just a famous card dying. It's basically the same card, just different right, now. Right. Whereas this one's just, oh, we Do you remember had this card a few years ago. And if you don't remember that card, well, here's a weird one for you that makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, not a big fan of those, that style of design. The second Theros set, or Theros Beyond Death, is full of these two. <laughs> Pretty much anything that doesn't have escape, actually. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's why it's just not that memorable to me. Like, when it's a card that's just like, I exist because I remind you of another card, then, like, my brain space mostly just, like, skips over it and continues to hold space for the original card. Yeah, because that one came first. Yeah. All right, well, so we got we got those previews. There seem to be some sort of, like, commander previews going on right now as well. I just saw some, like, 10 mana 10-10 with four instances of Cascade on it. I don't know what commander set is being previewed, but... That's a that's an old oh, Commander Legends card. Is it? I've never seen it before. Yeah. I thought that somebody was I, posting spoilers. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's. I remember seeing it in spoiler season. It's, what, Apex Davis Devastator 10 mana 10-10 with quad cascade yeah that's in commander Legends. okay well i had no idea you got to keep up on your all of your products you can't get accidentally spoiled ccr there's just like a lot of magic cards now that i just don't know and will never know (laughs) but you know they're not for me but i think they're also like not for they're obviously for commander players but they're also just like Almost every commander release just like tears a little bit more of the soul out of the concept of commander. Yeah, I also feel a little bad for commander players because it seems like a lot of like when you get five decks released every single set, Mm -hmm. all of which have new cards and increase the what's possible in the format or what the next best card of an effect is in the format. That's like a lot to keep up with. Yeah. And a, a format that's not supposed to have that much churn because it's a wide-spanning format, right? And having so many decks released in such narrow windows of time, it's got to be so much to keep up with. Yeah, and for me, when I did actively do commander stuff, like the joy of it was entirely pulling out undiscovered old cards and just like card. Th- cards that you never would have any other application for and weird old legends and stuff but they are completely like just like do you want to do a sacrifice thing well you got to use one of these three commanders that we printed in the commander sets that like have three separate sacrifice abilities on each of like you know it's all a little more directed i do like the commander products though i think all all, many of the cards are really cute Mm -hmm. And some of them are good expansions of mechanics in the main set. Sure. Uh, and some of them are terrible. Like all the D&D commander sets, <laughs> which involved, I don't know, finding a D&D table and just hoarding all the dice you can see there to, for all various sizes of dice. Yeah, that, that, level, that particular focus of design was really strange to see. Uh, but then there's the parts like uh, Akoria had a mutate deck. It was a Sultai deck. Mm-hmm. The, the commander was a Trimi the Playful. 
There's just like three mutate rares in that commander deck, which just could have been in the main set, <laughs> but weren't. Yeah. Yeah, and like the red white Strixhaven deck was really cool. Like, well, yeah, the Strixhaven ones are weird because the red white one was really cool and really good. Mm-hmm. The other ones were complete trash. Sure, but you know, there's there's places where they do need stuff. I, I think the main thing that is really disruptive is just like the commanders that they print in the commander decks generally just massively outmode all of the legends from any regular magic release for the purposes of commander play. And like that specifically was the fun part for me of building commander decks was like, Ooh, this commander is like kind of goofy, kind of silly, but it does stuff that no other card really does. Like, what can I do if I have access to this card every game? And like, this is just like a, no, sit down, shut up. If you want to do this mechanic, like use this commander for it. If you're playing a, a teamer deck, there's like a lot of teamer commanders printed specifically on commander products that are very good and outclass everything mm-hmm. printed in all of the rest of magic. Right. And that's, you know, that removes a lot of my like joy of exploration and experimentation in a format and, and keeps me from like sitting down and crafting you know i used to have like like in class in college or whatever i just like fill up the back pages of my notebooks with like haha what if i built this commander deck and i never built like the vast majority of them but writing down lists of cards from memory was like kind of fun as i like thought of things to do and i I just don't have that particular inclination anymore sure I mostly just, I, I'm not a commander player. Like, I like building the decks, but I don't like playing the games. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's like a non starter for me. I'm just not going to play commander. Yeah. But I love the set releases because they print a bunch of new cards for cube at a generally higher power level than standard. Uh, and there's some really neat ones like uh, Lelia, the Blade Reforged, is a three drop with haste mm-hmm. that exiles a card whenever you attack with it, and you can play it until it's turn. Yeah. So there's just like a three drop of haste as a three three attacker that lets you get card advantage in a red deck and cube. And that card's incredible. Sure. And cards like that I like to see being printed without waiting for like Modern Horizons 3 or whatever. Right. And like that card is sick. And that doesn't bother me for commander stuff either. Cause there's no like you know, hmm, I'd like to build a mono-red commander deck. Mm, there's no commander that I'm allowed to play except for this one because it's so much better than... Like, that's just not what this is. Like, this is just a neat card that does something weird. And it just happens to be a legend. I just put, picked it out because it was a card that I put in a cube recently. Right, right. So, like, definitely some cool designs come out of it, for sure. But you do have to be wary when previous season rolls around. You have to be, I think, the best method because it's confusing to try and look at the set symbols and figure out which set is which because you don't really know them yet haven't it's just to look at the bottom of the card and see what the set code is just learn the set code for the main set right and also the the numbers are going to be way smaller in the the commander set you know it's not going to be out of 200 something midnight hunt is mid gotta look for that one um well what else do we want to talk about um I'm, i'm i don't know i don't have any other topics are we are we going to the 1K this? That's I guess it's not even a 1K. It's just a cash turn event this Sunday. Yeah, I probably will. I'll I'll hope to make it out. I'll at least hang out there if nothing else. But you know, if I put what together, do you, what do you want to play? I mean, if I 
could just play something and didn't have to worry about getting cards, I probably would play Elementals. But I don't think that that's one that I have the capability of just putting together, even with access to friends and stuff. There's a lot of very specific and very expensive cards involved in that. I might be able to put it together. It's got to be a list that doesn't max out on endurance, though, because I don't have enough of those. <laughs> but I think the rest of the deck, like I have Furies, Kenny has Solitudes. We can probably, probably find caverns put something somewhere. Together. I have caverns. Okay. Jay has caverns. I mean, if we can put together elementals, then I will play elementals. I kind of want to play Hammer Time. I have, I think, all the cards for it now. With Chris's purchases of Sigarda's Aids and <laughs> what's the other card that? Some other white card. Oh, Esper Sentinel. It was Esper Sentinel? Ah, uh, yes. I would not be able to justify purchasing Esper Sentinels right still, but at some point. But I'm. But if I if I can put that together, see if I'm actually missing anything from that deck, and I don't think I am. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can just play that. I haven't played it yet, and it's or in paper at least. And it's a fun deck. Yeah, seems like a fine choice to me. Uh, yeah, playing my first... <laughs> going to a tournament and just playing my first matches with Elementals could be interesting. I probably will, like, just literally miss some of the triggers that are happening when I, you know, put Omnath into play and stuff, but who knows. Chris, that's how I live my entire tournament <laughs> life. Basically, the only time I'm not playing a deck for the first time at that tournament is, at least locally, is is a team tournament because I just don't want to <laughs> lose for all my teammates. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only time. Uh, well, hopefully, we can get those together. I, I'll play something, even if we don't get it together. I will. I, I do want to go play this tournament. It's too easy. It's too local. Like I'm not gonna not play in it. It's too close. Yeah, it's too close. <laughs> it takes like under 15 minutes to get there from my house so if it were an hour away we could justify it away but this I, I one i just can't there's no way i gotta play well, probably cool. gonna mask up though at this point but sure yeah you know yeah i think that's it i think we covered all the stuff we need to cover all of the various and sundry preview cards we've got we got previews, we got organized play, we got, you know, economies in there. It's, it's been a good full episode. Yeah, I feel satisfied. Hopefully everybody else does too. Thanks everybody so much for listening. We really appreciate your time. If you'd like to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. If you want to follow us on social media, I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I am at Lee McLeo. Thanks so much for listening. And have a great week. Good night. I guess it's not actually night when you're listening to us, but it's night for me. <laughs> it's <laughs> night right, somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure. It, okay, if you're listening to this and you get to this part at the end, and the music is playing. You just have to pause it, rewind it like by 15 seconds. Then when it's bedtime, play it. The, play it back. Yeah, yeah. And then perfect. Lee will, you know, be tucking you in. That's perfect. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> All right, bye, Lee. Bye.